Hi, and welcome to our Good Friday service. No matter where you're tuning in from, we hope that you feel really connected. We're privileged to have you worshipping with us this morning. If you are at home, I'd encourage you to grab your Bibles this morning. And if you do have a Bible, there's something intimate about being able to sit on the couch with your own Bible in your hands and read along with us this morning. And if you do have your Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to Genesis chapter 22. Boys and girls, if you're following along uh, with your children, if children are watching this, you are trying to count how many gift boxes that you can see as a part of this message, which is something that we're also doing. If you're wondering what that's all about, we'd encourage you to check out uh, the York Street Facebook page or the Yorkie Kids Facebook page where you can see some of the activities that are taking place to help empower children and families to continue to learn and grow towards each other and God together. This morning, we're talking about that there is no greater love. And we've heard a little bit about that expression of love that that God showed us through his son on the cross. And I was thinking about gifts at Easter time and and what sort of gift that is. And and, uh, as I was reflecting about gifts, I remember that about eight years ago, I was overseeing a bunch of children in a kids program and, and in that program, I wanted the kids to get a heart for other children, not just themselves, to think of others before themselves. And so we were doing missionary activity in Vanuatu at the time. And so we thought, what if the children of our church bought pencils for the children overseas? And so we set a target. If the children, and it had to be the children, not the parents, could raise $200 to go towards buying pencils for children overseas, then that would be the target. But if they reach that target, then as a reward for them, I would shave my head. It was a, a challenge that was sort of setting the bar that the deal was it can't be parents' money, it has to be kids' money to give to someone other than themselves. I thought that this would take about a term, 10 weeks, and we would get a... a like a thermometer chart, and we would rate the money as it went up. Week one, a child came up and said, I've been saving my birthday money, my pocket money, and I want to give $50. It was at that moment that I realized I'm in trouble. By week two, we reached the target, well and truly, of $200, and yes, I shaved my head. My daughter gave no money. She didn't want a bar of it. She didn't want Dad to shave her head, so she chose not to give money towards the cause. And to this day, she still has concerns any time I go to get my hair cut. Now, in this, there were some gifts that took place. There was a gift, of course, of sending $200 worth of pencils over to Vanuatu. There was a gift of seeing children give of their, their, their own finances to something that was bigger than themselves. But what I wasn't expecting, besides having the gift of a very cold head for a little while, was that the way that that affected me to see children give of their own finances to bless others was an incredible gift to myself. I wonder, what is the greatest gift that you have ever given somebody? 
what is the greatest gift that you have ever given somebody else? What about what is the greatest gift that you've ever received? What is the greatest gift? Something that meant so much when you received it. This morning on Good Friday, we're talking about the gift. A gift that is greater than anything you've ever given and something that is greater than anything you've ever received. Let's open up Scripture and see what God has to say about the gift. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that we look at Scripture, we would see in this climate, at this time in the world, that there is a gift that we have access to, that is a gift based of love, a gift that is greater than the pressures that we are facing and is an ultimate gift that was given once and for all time. We pray that as we open up Scripture that you would speak to us in our heart of hearts, no matter where we sit, no matter who we're with, that we would realize that we are not alone because of this gift. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to assume something this morning. The first thing I'm going to assume is that you know the Easter story. If you've tuned in on on Good Friday, then chances are you've tuned in for a reason. So I'm going to assume that you know that God loved us so much that he sent his son to earth to take our consequence on the cross when he died. I'm going to assume that you know that story, that maybe this is the, the one time of the year that you tune in and you've heard this story time and time again. So I'm going to assume that. If you don't know that story, can I encourage you to, to grab your Bible after the service and look up some of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, which are in the New Testament. And in the, towards the back of those Gospels, you will find the account of what took place on the cross. But what many of us don't know is the why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Why was that such a great gift? Why did he have to die? Why why did he do what he did? What did that represent? You see, in the Old Testament, in these times, in this culture, if we rewind a few thousand years before Jesus walked the earth, we see that there are some customs and traditions. And because they didn't have the police system or the legal system that we have today, they would make contracts with other people when making purchases or when doing significant commitments to one another. And what they would do is they would take an animal. They would slaughter the animal, and depending on the size of the commitment, if it was for a property or a large piece of land, they would take the animal and they would cut it in half and place one part of the animal on one side, another part on the other side, and they would meet, they would walk between the two parts of this slaughtered animal, meet in the middle, and shake hands and say, we agree, this is our contract, that I will pay this price for this product for this land, for this house, whatever it was, I will pay this. And if I go back on this agreement, may what happened to this animal happen to me. Pretty severe. This is what was known as a covenant, a covenant agreement. It was a covenant that said, "I my word is so binding that I stake my life on it. This is the agreement that I make between me and you for this whatever it was. Now we see that the very start of the Bible, God made a covenant with us. He made a covenant when he said that that I'm going to create people. And if you follow these rules, this agreement, and you don't break this 
these, these rules, a pretty simple rule, don't eat from this tree. If you follow these rules, then the covenant will be okay. But Adam and Eve and we, to this day, continue to break the relationship between us and God by not obeying the rules. And in doing so, break the covenant. Therefore, the consequence of that breaking of the agreement of the covenant means that we deserve the consequence. And the consequence back in those days was was severe. Often we'd see times where people showed mercy and people were generous, but we see that the rules in those days were really simple when it was a major agreement. And it doesn't come more major than when we want to spend an eternity with a perfect God. And we break that time and time again. And so what God does, though, is God is a loving God. He's not a harsh God. He's not a hateful God. He doesn't want us slaughtering animals and killing animals. He created them in the first place. And he said they were good. So, But what God does is God says, instead of you paying the price for that broken relationship, I will create a way for you to show in your heart that you are sorry and that you can substitute your life for the life of something else. And we see the sacrificial system, the sacrifices that took place in the Old Testament was introduced. Rather than you dying for for the broken relationship between you and God, you could sacrifice something else in your place to restore the covenant agreement, to restore the contract, to restore the relationship. And we see that there's, there's entire books of the Old Testament that talk about this and how we can restore. And so we see times when when people have done the wrong thing and they offer a sacrifice to, to restore the relationship. Other times they are just so thankful that God has loved them, that cared for them. There's been a momentous occasion that they go, God, I want you to see my heart. I am so thankful that I will sacrifice something just to show in my heart of hearts how much I love you and what that means to me. And they would build altars and they would sacrifice things as a, a thanksgiving offering to God. Today's reading isn't from the Gospels. Today's reading, assuming we know the story of Jesus, is back in Genesis. And in Genesis, we see a man called Abraham. Abraham was called by God to be the father of a nation. Current day Israel comes out of this, the current day Jewish nation come from the line from this man called Abraham. And God said, I I choose you and I make a covenant with you that if you follow me, you will be my people. And from your line, from your children, your descendants, there will be so many descendants that will be like the the sand on the sea or the scars and the scars, the stars in the sky. Anthony did such a good talk. I can't get it out of my head. And, And in that, he said, if, if you follow me, people who bless you will be blessed in return. People who curse you will be cursed in return. We see this in Genesis 15. And you will be known for doing great things for me and I will bless you. I will bless your land. I will bless everything you do if you follow me. But if you don't follow me, God doesn't say I'm going to curse you. That's, that's not God's character. What God says is, if you don't follow me, I, I just need to step away. I can't do, I can't honour the contract if you don't honour your side of the contract. And God tests Abraham's faith. Say, do you really put me before everything? 
before the, the representation of sacrificing an animals to say, I, I, animals were valuable commodities. And to sacrifice an animals to say that I love you more than earthly things. I love you more than the cost of, of money or wealth or, or financial security. I love you more than these earthly things. And so I represent that in a sacrifice. Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham in verse 1. He said to him, Abraham, can you imagine that? God calling you by name. That would be enough. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son. Abraham in his older age has a son. Your only son, whom you love, Isaac. And go to the mountain region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. Now we would look at that and we think, what is going on? What kind of God would call that out? What? It's not the end of the story, but there's some things in this that we need to understand that thousands of years before Jesus walked the earth, we see some things starting to take place. Firstly, take your son, your only son. Some translations say your only begotten son whom you love. When Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water before he started his ministry. And and from heaven, a voice came and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And the voice from God said, this is my son, my only son in whom I am well pleased. Go to the the region of Moriah. The region of Moriah was outside Jerusalem. It was these, these mountain ranges And one of these mountain ranges was where this took place. But one of the other mountain ranges, they're not quite sure. Some think it's the same. Some there's some discrepancy. But another mountain in that area was called Golgotha, the hill of the skull, where crucifixions took place and where Jesus, the Christ, was crucified. Verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey Last week is known as, in the Christian calendar, last Sunday is known as Palm Sunday, where we remember that Jesus triumphantly entered the city on a donkey, choosing to ride a donkey as a symbol of a time of peace rather than a horse we would ride in a time of war. And people threw palm branches on the ground because how dare a king touch the ground with their feet as, as honour and reverence. And we see a donkey echoed also in this story from thousands of years before Jesus in human form walked the earth. He took him with two servants and his son Isaac and he cut enough wood for the burnt offering. They would make a stone altar and put the wood on it and burn the offering, the sacrifice. He set out to the place where God had told him, verse 4, and on the third day, Third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. He placed the wood that would be to use for the sacrifice. He placed that wood upon his son's back. Thousands of years 
before the Roman guards would place the wood that our Messiah, the one who would save us, was to carry his sacrifice, the wood that he would be placed upon on his back to carry up to the same mountain ranges thousands of years later out of his control by Roman guards that are forcing him to do that, echoing what was prophesied from the very beginning to restore the covenant. As the two of them went up together, verse 7, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, son. Abraham replied, the the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then verse 10, can you picture this this scenario? He reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Some scholars believe that, that Abraham's faith in his God was so firm that he believed that if he was to slay his son, that God would resurrect his son from the dead. Some, some believe that his faith was so firm in God that he had, while it was a hard action, he had faith that God would restore that scenario. And so his faith was so strong that he would be willing to go through that act. No wonder God chose him to build his nation. And ultimately, from his descendants, Jesus Christ would come into this world. Verse 11, But an angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, he repeats the name because his conviction was so fierce to follow through with what God had told him that he had to be called twice. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay, verse 12, a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. An incredible story that took place thousands and thousands of years before Jesus walked this earth. And we see that Jesus was what the Lord provided for us. We see echoes of of a father who loved his son, who was in faith willing to show that all that he had pale, just failed in comparison to his love of God. Therefore, he put it on the line. But God said, there's no way I'm going to get you to sacrifice your son. There's no way. I will provide something else. I will show you that I love, but I will provide something. And so a ram caught in the thicket, in the thorns, on its head, in its horns, provided, God provided a son for us who would one day be led to a a hill in the same region, who would carry the, the wood for the sacrifice on his back, 
He would have thorns placed on his head. He would be placed up on an altar, on a sacrifice. Although he had never sinned, he had never damaged his relationship. His covenant was pure. He was the one who deserved to go to heaven. But because God loved us so much, he sent his son to earth to live this life, to show us how to live, but then to take the consequence of our broken relationship once and for all upon himself. And some people think, well, Rome was in charge, weren't they? And in some ways they did the actions, they beat him, they they flogged him, they, they put the nails in his hands and his feet. But that's not what held him here. This is the Son of God, the Son who the blind would see and the demons would leave and the the, the lame could speak and the lepers were healed and the, the dead were raised to life. This is the Messiah. He has all authority if he chooses to call on it, yet he doesn't choose to call on it in that moment. He chooses to take our consequence for our broken relationship with God onto himself. And there's a song that talks about it wasn't the nails that held him on the cross. It was love that held him there. And we see that expressed when Jesus looks down upon the executioners. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. They don't get it. The executioners, it's just what they do. That's just another day. It was a Tuesday for them or a Friday, whatever day it was. They're just clocking on and clocking off, doing their job. And Jesus says, Father, forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. I'm dying for these people that are crucifying me. We have access to the most incredible gift in history, a restored relationship, a restored covenant, a restored contract between a loving God and ourselves. When we accept Jesus into our life, we know that we are never alone, that we are part of something bigger. We are part of something that we just read took place thousands of years before that came to fruition thousands of years later and then 2,000 years on, here we are, still having access to God because of what his son did. This gift is the most incredible gift that we could ever accept, the most incredible gift that we could ever have. But also, introducing people to Jesus is the most incredible gift that we could ever give. So my challenge this morning is this. Have you accepted the gift? Have you accepted the gift? We have all made mistakes in life. We have all messed up. We have... We've damaged our relationship with God. And because of that, we've broken the covenant. And Jesus said, when they came around the communion table, this is the blood of the new covenant, the new contract, the new relationship poured out for you for the forgiveness of the damage that we've done. The word used in Scripture is the forgiveness of sins, the things that we do that that damage our relationship between us and God. No matter what you've been doing in your life, no matter where you are, no matter what time in history you're watching this, if you're watching this live on Good Friday of 2020, 
or if you're watching this in 2021 or 2022, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are because God is outside of time. If he can make this happen thousands of years before his son walked this earth, and then here we are thousands of years later, still as relevant today as it was then, it doesn't matter when you hear this, this gift is still for you. If you have not accepted this gift, I want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer this morning. The prayer is this. Say, dear God, I accept the gift of your son. I pray that he would take the things that have damaged my relationship with God off my shoulders and onto his. And I accept his love into my life. Help me to become more like him as I grow more and more to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. The second challenge is if you've already accepted the gift, then I want to encourage you, what are you doing with that gift? Are you willing to share that with somebody else? Knowing that sometimes love is shown in our actions, love is a verb. Jesus' love was shown on the cross. Our love can be shown in a phone call, in a sacrifice, in the way we give something that's not for ourselves, or in just our actions and our attitude. I want to encourage you this week to live a life that represents the gift that we have to bless others around us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We pray that as we come to a place of worship this morning, that we would experience the gift that you have offered to us, that the new covenant that has been given would restore us back to a place where we can come before our loving Heavenly Father restored and pure, not because of our deeds and our works, but because of the new covenant that was given through your Son, the sacrifice that was provided by our loving Father. Lord, we accept this gift and we pray that we would live a life that shows this gift is alive in us. In your name we pray. Amen.